be an eight-week series. The title of, of the series is actually Blessed. How many of you are blessed? I'm blessed. I'll tell you that. I'm thankful that I get to start it off because I, I say this. I feel like I am the most blessed man in the world, and I'm thankful that I get the opportunity to talk about it. So that being said, I'm going to tell you Webster's definition of blessed, just in case we maybe don't know. It is the act or words of one that blesses, a thing conducive to happiness or welfare. We kind of knew that. We kind of knew that from the, from the name of the word blessed. But did you know that God loves to bless us? He really does. He loves to bless us. And he's been very generous with me with acts of blessing, health, financial blessings, mental health. He's, he has blessed me so much. He's blessed me with my family. He's blessed me in so many different ways. He's blessed me by letting me be in his presence this morning which I do not want to take for granted. And he's blessed me by letting me be in your presence this morning because you guys are awesome and I'm blessed to be here for that as well. But the Bible has some really deep scriptural references to being blessed. It's not just, hey God, I need cool stuff <laughs> or I need, you know, I need this stuff. There's actually like a deep scriptural principle to our relationship with God and blessing and thankfulness. It just kind of all goes together. So if you have your Bible and will turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, Verses 13 through 17, the title that I'm actually going to talk about today is The Blessing That Keeps On Giving. The Blessing That Keeps On Giving, which is, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, it's actually thankfulness. Thankfulness is the blessing that keeps on giving. So in Colossians chapter 3, we pick up in the middle of Paul's letter to the Colossian church. Paul wrote this letter to the church of Colossae to warn them and train them against spiritual attack. And it's believed that Paul wrote this letter without ever having visited the church. He didn't, he'd never even visited the church, but he heard about what was happening. And so he wrote to them and he gave them this scriptural principle that's universal, which means that even though Paul has never visited our church, we can take something from it today. And he wrote this in verses 13 through 17. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against thee, even as Christ forgive you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye also are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Everybody say thankful. thankful. Let the word of, word, of, word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So it's interesting that when Paul's talking to this young church, he was dealing with a lot of problems. If you read the book of Colossians, there's a lot going on there. Paul goes out of his way to mention, be ye thankful, give thanks to God. He, he emphasizes in the middle of everything that you're going through, make sure that you are thankful. He cuts through the issues of false doctrine, which are being presented. Legalism is being encouraged. And Paul's like, look, in the middle of all of this, you've got to be thankful. And Colossians, really, when you read through that book, it's about relationship. And that's why we're here today. We want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want it to be in the way that he intended it, which is important, right? That's what, that's, that's what we're here for. We want to have it in the way that God intended it. But there's a struggle throughout the Bible, and even today, in every child of God, to correctly view our relationship with God. Psychologists define relationships either by transactional or transformational. Everybody say that, transactional or transformational. Yeah. 
And odds are, even without realizing it, we subconsciously view our relationship with God as either transactional or as transformational. Transactional relationships are based on this premise. I will do something for you if you will do something for me. Yeah. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a relationship that's built on depositing and withdrawing over and over until one side doesn't meet the other, the other side's expectations, and then the relationships can be severed. But we have these types of relationships with retailers, with employers, with employees, and oftentimes, without realizing it, even with our friends. Like, I expect this of you. You probably expect this of me as long as we're all good here. You know, we'll keep this thing going forward. It's a relationship style that's easy. Hurts are typically avoided. Expectations are usually easily met. And there's a level of control over them. But here's the problem with transactional relationships. Throughout the Bible, if you look, God kind of hates when his people fall into that mindset with him. He always gets very frustrated with it because they don't typically have love and commitment as part of transactional relationships. And those are two things that God really, really values. So you see the struggle, and even Paul is talking about it in Colossians. New believers are literally being told that they need to become more legalistic to gain God's approval. So you read through Colossians, and you see there's people that are trying to take this new church and tell them, no, you need to live by these old laws, these old lifestyles. You need to follow these specific patterns. Otherwise, God's not going to honor you. And you see Paul get fired up when he's like, hold on. That's not the basis of a relationship with God. We're not just going to meet certain expectations and then God's going to do certain things for us. That's not how it's going to be. At the core of our relationship, we've got to be thankful to God and we've got to recognize that we don't, we don't just want this transactional relationship with him. The Israelites, when they're leaving Egypt, this is like a great example of a transactional relationship because you see the Israelites, they're in bondage, they're in Egypt. It's a bad life, I would think building pyramids or whatever they're doing over there. And you see that God calls Moses to lead them out. And so they're coming out of Egypt. They're, they're moving on to the promised land. They get out. And what happens when things don't go well? They start complaining. They're like, we should have stayed in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here to die? And you know what God does? He gets so frustrated that they move into this transaction. We gave you our lives. We expect you to give us a good life, right? That's their mindset. So God curses that entire generation. They can't even go into the promised land. He's not a big fan of that. And then we even see a transactional relationship style when Jesus himself is walking on the earth. He comes to the house of Lazarus. And Jesus has done so many things for Lazarus' family. And it says that his sisters, Mary and Martha, were there. And they come out and greet him. And they don't greet him with love and commitment. They greet him with, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's what they tell him. And you can see in the scriptures as Jesus is, it actually records in John eleven thirty five 35, that Jesus wept. Like he was like, is this what our relationship is? You expect me just to do this because you have done this? Like you can see just this frustration within him. And he doesn't like that, that, that kind of transaction mindset in his people. And today we're not any different. I'm not any different. Sometimes we look at like our own lifestyles and our own patterns God, I'm giving you all of this. I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you my finances. Why haven't you done this? Right? We've all been there. Maybe it's just me, but I've been, I've been there sometimes. It's easy when things get hard to move our relationship out of a place of thankfulness, out of a place of gratitude, and into a place of, I've done this. Why haven't you, God, done this? And so God has never desired that type of relationship 
with his people. He's, he's desiring more of a transformational style. And here's, here's the uh, key points of that type of a relationship. It focuses on the big picture and not just give and take. Transformational relationships are forgiving, nurturing, built on trust. Expectations can still exist. But a big point of transformational relationship is that each person has the best interest of the other party at heart. And we see Jesus demonstrate this all throughout his ministry. You can see it in a lot of different ways. But uh, I feel like lately we've been uh, picking on Peter. So we're going to do that again. Because you can really see in the relationship that Jesus has with Peter, you can really see this transformational style of relationship that, that God desires to have with us. I'll give you three instances when Peter kind of messes up his, his relationship with Jesus. First, he goes out to walk on the water when Jesus is walking on the sea, on the Sea of Galilee, and, which I've been to. And uh, you see, <laughs> it's an awesome sea. It's been a minute. It's been a few, it's been a few months since I've said that. Um, and you see Peter, he, Peter says, hey, I'm going to come out and meet you. I'm going to come out and walk on the water with you. And what happens? Peter takes a few steps. He's heading towards Jesus takes his eyes off of him, and he falls, right? He fells in that regard. Does Jesus just leave him <laughs> drowning? You know, like, good luck swimming. No, he reaches down, he picks him up, he gets him back in the boat. Again, Peter oversteps his role. Jesus tells Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Peter's like, great. And then he, Peter, you know, decides that he's going to rebuke Jesus because he knows more about, more about what's going to happen. And what's Jesus do? He doesn't cast him away. He does rebuke the devil out of him. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. But he doesn't stop using Peter in his ministry. And then the ultimate one for Peter is on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, Peter denies ever knowing him three times, which is huge. And we see that even after Jesus goes through that crucifixion, he raises from the dead. He doesn't leave Peter hanging. He doesn't leave Peter, doesn't cast him off. He says, hey, you're still mine. The transactions have failed. Peter was not being very good with his transactions with Jesus. He wasn't depositing into the love bank there. But what you actually see is that Jesus cared so much for Peter, he didn't care that Peter had failed him over and over and over again. And you know, Peter gets a lot of a bad rap because of that. But let's look at what Peter did in his mindset towards Jesus. Never once do you see Peter turning to Jesus and blaming him for the situation. He never says, hey, you should have made it so that I didn't fall in the water. Hey, you should have made it so I wasn't put in that situation to deny you. Hey, you should have made it so that I wasn't put in that spot. You know, why did you embarrass me in front of everybody? He never once turns his mind and blames Jesus. And I can't say that I've been there. I can't say that I would have done that all those times, right? Because sometimes it's easy to slip into that mindset where we look at Jesus and we say, you owe me something for some reason. But you know what? Peter never did that. And you know what happens later in Peter's life? Acts chapter 2 records that Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches an awesome message of repentance. We're still talking about it. Today, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you can still be baptized in Jesus' name. Peter was the first person to do it. First person to say it. But it didn't just stop with Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 3, you see Peter again. The lame man is healed. What's Peter doing? He takes that moment. Hey, let me tell you about repentance and how Jesus can reconcile you. Again, in Acts chapter 4, you see Peter does something else, and he's before this council. And he's like, hey, let me take this moment to tell you. You can repent of your sins, and you can be reconciled to Jesus. Why, why is this happening with Peter over and over? Because he knows. 
He understands the relationship. He never lost his thankfulness for what Jesus did for him. And that's something that we can take today. If we have a grateful heart and we keep our alignment, it doesn't matter how many times you fell. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your shortcomings because Jesus has that kind of a relationship, that kind of a love for every single person in this room today. So the key to our relationship with Jesus is a grateful heart. If you'll turn to Psalm chapter 50, verses 7 through 15, you can see that God actually desires a thankful heart more than sacrificial giving, more than service, more than anything. God desires a thankful heart. So here we're picking up in Psalm chapter 50, where no doubt God's people have slipped into this transactional style of a relationship with God And God speaks directly to them about what he desires from them. He says, hear, O my people, and I will speak, which is a good sign that we should probably listen. O Israel, and I will testify against thee, I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds, for every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle upon a thousand hills, and I know all the fowls of the mountain, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If if I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and then call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will answer. God takes it straight to the people of Israel. So what are you going to give me that I don't already have? What are you going to bring to me in sacrifice? What, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every fowl in the air. There's nothing we can bring to God that's going to impress him. But when we bring our thanksgiving for the things that he has done, then he's like, stop. You can call on me on the day of trouble, and I will answer. What a promise we have from God if we have a right heart towards him. The reality is, though, it's not always easy to be thankful in our Western culture, which I love our Western culture. Don't get me wrong. I like it, but it's very consumer-based. We're very much a day-to-day transaction kind of people. Before I married my wife, I believe that I had like some record where I ate at either Taco Bell or McDonald's for like 60 days straight. Like I didn't even, (laughs) I just, and it's probably, it probably, it's staggering. I probably should stop. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Like, you can wake up with nothing and get everything you need in one day, which I know that's how we all live, but that's not normal, and that's definitely not typical of biblical times. We buy food when we need it. We communicate with whoever we want, whenever we want, sometimes however we want. We can video chat. We can do all of this stuff instantly. We can Google anything we don't know. I was looking up the population of a city in China the other day. It's like, it's just right there if you need to know. We can find entertainment, relationships, and services today if we need them. It's, un- it's unbelievable. All of this stuff is available at our fingertips at all times, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not necessarily saying there's anything wrong with that, but we can't let that approach to our life interfere with our approach to God because the, the Bible tells us those that wait upon the Lord are going to renew them, their strength. And God's like, I want to have this relationship. We're on this walk together. And in our day-to-day life, sometimes I'm sprinting one way, then I'm running another way. And so the idea of walking with Jesus sometimes is counterintuitive to what we do. 
But when God doesn't meet our timelines or our expectations, it can be easy to get frustrated, and that can lead to what? Unthankfulness. It can be hard to be thankful for the things that God has already done. But guess what? That is not unprecedented, and it was even prophesied that it was going to happen. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, talking about the last days, the Bible says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. We're not exempt from the prophecies that God has already given about the last days. There is going to be a generation of unthankfulness. And it can be easy for us. I'm just going to talk to myself for a minute. It can be easy for us to get caught up in society, get caught up in the next thing that we need because we are a consumer-based society and we will always have a need, right? To forget about all of the great things that God has done for us. And so the Bible encourages us. The Bible gives us some pro tips. It's like, hey, do this and you will have some success. Second Timothy chapter, chapter one, verses six through seven, the Bible encourages us to remember to be thankful, Right? which means that it might not be on the top of our mind when we wake up, but we can encourage ourselves and we can, we can kind of force ourselves to think about all of the good things that God has done. Second yeah. Timothy chapter one, verses six and seven says, wherefore I put thee in remembrance, meaning that you gotta remember this, stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of hands, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love yeah. and of a sound mind. Paul reminds Timothy, hey, you gotta stir up that gift. It might not be just present when you wake up in the morning and your phone has 19 emails, five text messages, and your kids are already crying, but you've got to stir up the gift that is within you. Psalms 103, verses 1 through 4 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He forgiveth all of thine iniquities. He healeth all of thy diseases. He redeemeth thy life from destruction. He crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. There is something about remembering what God has done. There's something about that thankfulness of blessings already past. That's so powerful, so important. And it's, it's, it's not always easy to do, but it, it, but it matters. And you know, the, the psalmist says it so great because you know what, when I think about all that God has forgiven me from, uh, wow, you, you might not know, but I know. And that's enough to start getting me a little bit excited. But then I think about where I would be if God hadn't redeemed me. And I look and I know, I, I can tell you where I would be. And it's no place I want to be right now. And I think about that and I'm thankful for what God has done for me. And then I think we can stand. I think about his loving kindness and being in a church service with all of you. And more importantly, with his spirit that's here on this day. And regardless of what's happened, regardless of all of my mistakes, regardless of all of my failures, I know that the God of all creation, the God that spoke this world into existence is here in this building on this morning and wants a relationship with me. And I am thankful for that. I wonder if anybody can raise their hands and just say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for me. I'm thankful for every blessing that you've already given to me. I don't want to ask for anything else right now. I'm just thankful, Jesus that you have loved me, that you have cared for me, and that you have brought me here. But you know what? As they get ready to sing, Revelation gives us this awesome kind of closure to...
the gift that keeps on giving, which is thankfulness. It says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 11, it says, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, Jesus, the blood of Jesus has already forgiven us of all of our sins. We, we just have to come to him. And if you're here today, this is your first day, or if you've been here since the doors opened, the repentance that we can give to God, it still works. The blood still covers all of our sins. We can come here, we can repent of everything that we've done, and God will wash you. But the, we didn't just overcome by the blood of the lamb. We also overcome by the word of our testimony. And the testimony is just this. I'm gonna recognize something that I'm thankful for. I'm gonna share it with you. And there's something about that. There's something about recognizing, hey, God's been good to me and I'm gonna tell you about it. And when we have that divine alignment, we have that alignment between our testimony and God's mercy, that's when we overcome. And that's when great things happen. So before we enter back into worship, I wonder if we can just close our eyes and lift our hands. And we can thank God that we, everybody in here has a testimony. We can thank him for what he's done. God, we thank you so much. God, that you have forgiven us, that you have blessed us. God, we thank you for every good gift you have already poured into us. We thank you for the salvation that you have died and given to us. We thank you for the relationship that you want to have with us. We thank you for everything that you've already done. And in advance, we thank you for what you're going to do in this service. God, for what you're going to do in this altar for what you're going to do in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus.
Jesus, we thank you for what we feel in this place. Thank you for what you're doing, God. We are thankful for your presence. Thankful for the opportunity that we have to stand in your holy place. You are so good to your people, Jesus. 
simply pray, Lord, that you would continue to move and to have your way. Let your will be done. Jesus, take me to the place where your peace and your love overflow. Where my heart is set free, not shame with your chains are
each other. I declare that in the name of Jesus it would come down.
that's exactly what we want this morning. We want God's spirit to have his way. We want God to do the things that he desires to do, to accomplish the things that he desires to accomplish. Oh, whatever you came in with, he can handle it. He can do it. He can take care of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God.